I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Ask OTC, the show where we answer all your questions from the week in European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Nikki Bandini. Straight off, this one from Mark on Instagram. Who are your dark horses for the Euros? And please, no turkey jinxes. <laughs> Come on, we know who that refers to. Who, who are yours, Nikki? Well, turkey first. <laughs> um, I, I, it's a tough one. I always wonder what qualifies the dark horse as well. Um, I there's some really interesting teams leading groups when you look at the, the the group leaders. There's some teams you wouldn't necessarily expect to be going in as, as group winners. Obviously, Slovenia, Hungary, Albania. I know Andy's all ready to get on the uh, Albania for the Euro 2024 bandwagon. Sorry, Albanians. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know if I've got one that I look at and really think are those, those countries that I think is a genuine contender. And I was wondering if I was trying to sort of look for ones that I thought could become me. It's, this feels like the most ridiculous one to suggest because they just actually like only beat San Marino 2-1 and were drawing in the second half. But Denmark have got some pieces in the squad that make you think if you got a run together, it could work, right? Obviously, Hoyland is uh, uh, still an unknown quantity in lots of regards. But if this uh, Manchester United move pans out the way it could, certainly he said he scored plenty of goals in qualifying. If, mm. if, if he explodes, you've got Christian Eriksen on that point in his career where he could be the connector at just the right level of maturity and understanding. You've got Hoiberg in midfield. There's pieces in that team that feel like the sort of team that could come together in the right way at the right time. And they could have been a much better team at the World Cup if they'd have had Hoyland then. Yeah. You know, that that was the one player that they were missing, that that centre forward. You know, they played they played reasonably well without the ability to put the ball in the back of the net. And that's what what finished them in, in, in the end. So maybe maybe that could make a difference. Technically speaking, are they dark horses? They made it to the semi finals last time around in the Euros. Oh, well, that's, I did say I don't know what counts as yeah, dark horse. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah and I suppose in terms of dark horses are we thinking of a team that you don't expect at all who could like get well, to the semi-final the or the get to the final or win it? Let's not forget Denmark has actually won it in the past as well. Yeah. And they were so, dark horses when they won it though. Of course oh, they You were. can't get more dark horses than <laughs> yeah. not qualifying in the first place, can you? Exactly. I think Slovenia are interesting. Mm. You know, you, you look at the quality in that, that, that team. I mean, they've, they've still got Jan Oblak to look disappointed in, in his <laughs> defenders every time he has to field a shot. Um, but also, I think you look at the way Benjamin Sheshko's developing. Um, he's been good in qualifying. And if he starts to get more and more games for RB Leipzig as the season goes on, he could be in great nick. The, the squad dip depth that Leipzig have got is actually going to help Slovenia because they're not going to flog Sheshko between now and the end of the season. He's going to play sometimes and not play other times. So if, if he stays fit, I think they're in a, a good position to do something interesting. Hungary have been 
really strong for a while now. And I think you look at Shobishlai moving up to the, the, the Premier League, obviously helps them, but there's lots of other good players in the squad. You look at um, Roland Shaloya, for example, uh, Vili Orban, who's injured at the moment and missed these last couple of games. He's going to be back in the defence, presumably, for for the Euros themselves. And Albania have been amazing at home, really amazing. You, you look at uh, Uzuni at, at Granada, who I, I, I really like. Um, they've got a little something up front with with, with him. Um, Jim Citi, who's been pretty consistent for Atalanta going back mm-hmm. a couple of seasons. And, you know, Albania were one of my favourite moments, actually, of Euro 2016 in, in, in France. When they won that last game against Romania, when they'd already been eliminated, they were celebrating for like a good couple of hours afterwards. <laughs> like I'm not talking about the fans, the yeah, players. Of course. <laughs> and, and it all meant so much to them. And it gave you that feeling of this is what international football is all about. And that time, just winning that single game was an incredible moment. There were loads of Albanians in the stadium at, mm-hmm. at Lyon and the players were just so taken up in it. You know, it's, it is the whole meaning of, of, of international football. So I think especially when, you know, you go back to say the 80s or the 90s when they were whipping boys and couldn't get a result. And if you're like, say, Faroe Islands, that's what you're looking at, isn't it? To get to that level mm-hmm. where you can maybe qualify like, or, or like Iceland in the past, you know, where you maybe achieve the dream of getting to a finals, then you get a result there. Now, Albania are in a position where they've bossed some pretty good teams, particularly on their own patch. You know, you look what they've done to, to Poland, you look what they've done to Czech Republic. The next stage for them has got to be to try and qualify out of the group when that, when they because they they've won a game now they know what that feels like and they know they can compete and beat good teams. I'm not saying they can get to the semis or anything like that, but for no. them to, to is... for them to aim and get out of that group, which I don't think is undoable with reformatting depending on the draw, obviously mm-hmm. of of the Euros. I, I think that's interesting. I, I think that's really like the, the dark horse question because I think Albania to win the whole thing is pretty unthinkable. Yeah, but. Yeah, there's there's several players in that team now who are playing at a very competitive level in Europe. I mean, obviously you could uh, talk about someone like Hussai who's been there, been there and done it for a while, and is at Lazio. Mm. But you've got Aslani who's breaking through at Inter. Yeah, you've got Bairami at Sassuolo. They they have got several players who are playing in top European leagues. I I, I cannot see this, unlike say a Denmark, where I can see. If everything comes together, there's some explosive talent that might really take you all the way. I can't see it as that level of talent, but I'm with Andy. They could be, they could win games at the Euros, and does that qualify them as a dark horse? Well, it does actually, because Mark didn't say uh, who are your dark horses to win the Euros, but dark horses, different levels of dark horses for the Faroe Islands that you mentioned, Andy. Yeah. Beating Denmark is enough. They've won the Euros, yeah. but for Albania, it might be you know getting through to a certain stage, etc. I think you, it's a fair point on both. Counts. This other question, though, um, this is from Sir... You're going to love this one, Nicky. This is from Sir Arthur (laughs) Bubble of Tottenham. Let me leave it there. Are the rumours true? Is the special one off at the end of the season to be replaced by Conte? The rumours I've been sort of floating about, and I think even the special one has kind of teased responses all the way through. Uh I... I think the special one, Jose, I think Jose Mourinho is probably not going to stay beyond the end of the season at Roma. I think he will stay until the end of this season unless something really shocking happens. Uh, 
everyone's kind of fully committed at this point. He's made this decision whether or not it was um, due to a lack of alternatives is is a question that's been speculated about plenty, including by me right here. But it is moot uh, right now. I think he's he's in for this season. And I think Aroma, with the amount they've invested, almost don't have another option at this point. They've got to ride this Mourinho train to its destination and see where it goes. But I... That's a good way of putting yeah, it. Yes. I, I think that's what happens when you hire Jose. You get on the train and you see where you wind up. Um, but but I, I don't think it will last beyond the end of the season. Conte is this... I'm trying to think of the correct sort of dramatic terms in which to put it because it feels like he's this sort of figure who exists in the background of everybody's narrative. Like he is just there waiting to enter stage. Nosferatu and, looming uh, over everyone. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and every sort of big club job in Italy and even the national team, I think it's too soon to talk about Aspelletti, but even the national team, there's just constantly this prospect of if you don't do well enough, Antonio Conte's coming. <laughs> I'm doing claw gestures that people can't see right now. Like he's some sort of looming monster, which is really unfair. Um, he's the rat catcher, isn't he? In, uh, yeah. in what is it? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Ah, I'm ready to get you. Which is very unfair. Sorry to, to, to Antonio, who's not actually that. But it's that's how it feels. Because he, of course, he's got the reputation and... and uh, Obviously, things didn't go well at Tottenham, but in general, in his career, he has been this prolific winner. And so every club that's got the the the, the resources would look at him and go, well, that's an attractive option. Um, so could it be Roma? Yes. Could it be somewhere else? Yes. To rein it back in away from this Antonio Conte, Conte um, mythic creature to, to some reality for a second. He's pretty consistently been saying when people have asked him in public, Actually, I'm, I'm quite happy having some time off with my family. So whether or not he would be tempted is, is a whole different conversation. Does that mean the timelines kind of align, though? Because as you say, Roma are going to be with Mourinho till the end of the season, unless something goes horribly wrong uh-huh. in, 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 in the meantime. Conte will have had a year off and will presumably get in, be getting the itch again. So to recall something that we revisited actually way before Lukaku went to Rome, I think I said a couple of months before the end of last season, does Conte going to Roma, being reunited with Lukaku and then both regenerating their reputations, their work? Do we get a second year of Lukaku with, with Conte? That could be interesting. That's a it? fun idea. Obviously with Lukaku, everything is bound up forever in how are you going to make the money work, which yeah. uh, is is a, an ongoing conundrum. Um, and uh, And that would be true for Conte as well, frankly. Roma have put a lot of eggs in um in this season's basket and it hasn't started very well that mm. they they are stretching themselves financially they're certainly pushing the boundaries of of their financial fair play and uh, if they fail to qualify for the champions league again it's going to hurt and right now they're not on the right track for it but there's a lot of season left uh, a question of its time <clears throat> figo costa pinto ask it feels like footballers who like or share pro palestinian articles on social media are routinely being reprimanded by their clubs. Is this issue wider than just Germany? Mainz, for example, did they not suspend Anwar El Ghazi this week, Andy? Yeah, they did. And um, not the only footballer who's been pulled out for that. Um, you've got uh, Youssef Atal at Nice, uh, who um, <coughs> shared an, 
anti-Semitic post uh, earlier this week on on socials as well. And um, Bayern have been um, speaking to Anissa Masrawi uh, about something that that he posted in support of Palestine. We we have to separate these issues, I think. Um, firstly, I, th- I think the, the the major lesson we have to take from this is in a situation where people are struggling to find clarity and make sense of what's happening in Israel and Palestine on wider, more expansive forms of media, um, discussing it or making comments on it on socials for anyone, footballers or otherwise, is not massively helpful, really, is is, is it? You, you can't really express the nuances of it there, of a situation which is in, incredibly nuanced. Although, I don't know if you've heard the Mo Salah one on his um, social media yes. where he does try to be nuanced. He does, I mean, I, I don't know what you think of it or whether it's acceptable, but clearly uh, the clubs need to know what you're putting out. And I, I don't think, out. I don't think Salah really wanted to do that either. Yeah. It but, felt but, like but, he was under Because there's, there's it, been yeah. quite, there's been quite, yeah. And actually not, not from, not from his club or, mm. or, or his, or his, his national team, I think with Salah, the fact that he hadn't said anything in support of, um, Palestine was something that had become an issue, particularly amongst his Egyptian fans. And there was a there was a campaign of a reasonable size on social media to get people to unfollow him on on the social networks. And I think that's why he felt that he had to respond. But I think when you look at the phrasing of uh, Anwar Al Ghazi and Yusuf Atal, uh, the language they've used or repeated is is, is not smart. And I, I think that there there had to be a reaction to that. Masrawi is, is slightly different because what he published, his, his thoughts on it, um, he, he was asked about it by Biden. He, he, didn't, he didn't use any uh, anti-Semitic language and he said that he just felt it was important to you know, respect victims on, on, on all sides and that he felt um, that, that that should be taken into account. And when he was when he was pulled up on it by people, he actually went back onto Instagram and discussed it with people. So he's he's not someone who's blindly posted something and not mm. thought about it, which I, I, I think is is something worth looking at. But you know, it's it's a, it's, it's a really delicate situation. It's clear, and it's, it's something that a lot of footballers aren't equipped with. They're, they're just they're just reading something on one window on their social media and reposting something on the other. And, you know, Mano Solomon has, has, has done that, for example, the, the, the Tottenham player coming, coming from the other side. So, you know, I think it's not something that covers anyone in glory. I think just, just reposting stuff on social media about a situation like this. Yeah, and what Mano Solomon said on social media was that, or he claimed, anyway, that Hamas are killing Palestinians. And you can see how that might, or all of this might um, get footballers in hot water. But he's not, not, he's not been subject to any action for that as well, we have to say. And, and also, you can't go anywhere in Britain, and it feels like, anyway, without uh, putting your foot in it, if you comment on what's going on. You know, it's beyond your pay grade, if you like. We don't expect footballers to be at the forefront of the politics of the day. Should they be allowed to? Um, should clubs just ban them from posting anything to do with the conflict 
um, in the Middle East, ban them altogether, Nick. I mean, that's, that's essentially yeah. what they're doing by suspending them. Yeah, but, no, but should they do it? Should they make it public and just say, right, none of you? It's an incredibly complicated conversation what you're opening there, Dustin, because, I mean, just think about everything that's happened in this country with the BBC and Gary Lineker and what's allowed and not allowed to, to be said if you're working for a public broadcaster. And in general, I think most of us fell on, he should still be allowed to say what he thinks. Um, and so should people not be allowed to say what they think when it comes to certain topics? I mean, I think probably to some extent, I do think there's there's got to be a line somewhere, but, but where you're drawing it at a time of incredible emotional intensity for, for lots of people, because what's happening is objectively horrendous. Innocent people are dying in horrendous, horrific, unthinkable numbers. Um, people are going to have a reaction to that and telling them that they're not allowed to have a reaction to that is complicated. But at the same time, what is social media? It's a public branding in effect. And our club's entitled to say, we don't want that to be part of our branding and you are part of our club. Yes, as a business, you are. Um, and that's a super, super, super complicated topic um, that I don't know if I have all the answers to, frankly. No, none of us do. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss This question from Cecil Tackham It's appropriate for the time of year I suppose. Which managers need to turn their seasons around or face the sack by Christmas? Is it too early to say Fabio Grosso? No, I don't <laughs> think it is uh, uh, Leon. Straight out the blocks uh, Yeah, I, I think John Texter, he doesn't hang about if it's if it's if it's not going well he'll um he'll get involved so um yeah if leon don't get somewhere quickly i think they're onto the third coach of the season quite quickly see what i'm i'm curious about here is initially we have this phrase that um, I think lots of people have heard now about whether or not a manager is going to get to eat their panettone. So like if you <laughs> if you get fired before Christmas, you didn't get to eat your panettone. But 
if you're Fabio Grosso and you're currently in France, then does being fired before Christmas mean you do get to go home and eat your panettone? Maybe it's it's like an inverse does relationship. It, does he even make the Christmas market in November? <laughs> I think is the question. Well, the question really is, we're all vegetarian. Will he last the length of the lettuce? <laughs> it's a question. I can't resist um, that one. In, but, in Italy, I think, uh, to, to name another name, I, I think if there's a, a, a high-profile one to keep an eye on, it might be Rudy Garcia, actually to flip the Italian mm. and French relationship, because... Um, Aurelio De Laurentiis is likewise not known for his patience when things aren't going the way he wants them to. Uh, they're not doing disastrously Napoli, but they look a very long way from the team that won the league title last season. A lot of people, including his own players, questioning Garcia's substitutions in, in some high-profile games so far this season. I, there's probably others who are less notable who might go sooner, but I do think that's a really high-profile job um, and to turn us back a second, to which the name Antonio Conte may end up getting linked that uh, that may be available before Christmas. Yeah, there's an availability, hopefully, in the Nigerian coaching um, setup. So let's see if Antonio Conte's name is linked with that. That would be something, <laughs> wouldn't it? Well, just to keep drawing links everywhere, another reason why Rudy Garcia's job might get harder is Nigeria's Victor Osimhen is injured and and that may also increase the chance of results going wrong and, and his job going wrong. And and I know this isn't a question, but from me, if I could have just one on Ask OTC, is he going to Liverpool? Osimhen? Yeah. Too soon. Too soon to say. Um, he, I, I don't think he'll be at Napoli next season. Whether it'll be Liverpool, I don't know. Start saving, I would say. <laughs> yes, Liverpool. Yeah. I'm not a Liverpool fan. <laughs> oh, right, I thought you meant me. Start saving uh, to, to buy my season ticket. Uh, Jamie asks, Philippe Clermont, what went right at Bruges and what went wrong at Monaco, Andy? What can Rangers fans now expect from a Clermont team? Well, I, I can understand why... Rangers fans, especially francophone ones, would be a little bit worried in the short term because um, on the French football media posts that said uh, uh, Philippe Clément est le nouveau entraîneur de Rangers, uh, the, 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 uh, the first 50 comments were Monaco fans going, uh, bon chance. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I can understand a little bit of trepidation. Yeah. Um, but what Jamie, the way that Jamie puts it there, I think is, is interesting because I think in terms of what he did at Brugge, it was, it was a great job. Of course, got them to the title, um, put together a really good team that was a, a great mix of uh, young players, um, which is always a big deal for them to be able to sell those young players on. And the, the more experienced um, ones like um, Mignolet, uh, Hans Vanneken, Rude Former, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they're, they're really great to watch. I would also say what went wrong at Monaco was towards the end of that time at, at Monaco when the club was undergoing a period of, of, of profound change. Now, the bottom never should have fallen out of it like, like it did at the, the bottom of last season. Of course, they, they didn't even make the conference league in the end. You know, it was such a poor end to last season. And I think if the season had gone on for another month, they would have probably only just about finished in the top 10. They were in such free fall uh, towards the end of that season. But then again, I think you look at the first half season of Philippe Clement when he, he, he took over from uh, Niko Kovac at Monaco. He took over a team that were eighth and had an incredible run in the back half of, of that season. Nearly got themselves in, in, in the Champions League. And I think the goal that changed it all actually was the Ignatius Ganago goal which was the last kick of Monaco's season in 21-22. 
Now, if that hadn't gone in, Monaco win at Lens, they win a 10th successive game and they go directly into the Champions League in second place. Instead, Ganago equalises. They end on nine wins and a draw, which is still a bloody great finish to the season, by the way. But instead of qualifying automatically in second place, they go into the playoffs, don't make the playoffs, and from there on, it's all downhill. Bear in mind that the sporting director, um, Paul Mitchell, was on the way out at the time. A lot of change upstairs at the club. A lot of stuff that's out of Clement's control. I think it was really, really tough for him. So he made some mistakes, but despite what you may have read elsewhere, he actually did some pretty good work at Monaco before it got a bit sticky. And his team's good to watch when they work. Thank you for listening to Ask OTC. If you would like to ask a question on next week's show, you can contact us at any time at Dotson Adebayo, at Andy Brassel, at Nicky Bandini, and at OTC Pod. Or you can email us at OTC at footballramble.com. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.